Welcome to the Process Breakdown Podcast, where we talk about streamlining and scaling operations of your company, getting rid of bottlenecks, and giving your employees all the information they need to be successful at their jobs. Now, let's get started with the show. All right, John Corcoran here, co-host of the Process Breakdown podcast, where we talk about streamlining and scaling operations of your company, getting rid of bottlenecks, and giving your staff everything they need to be successful at their job. Some of our past guests include David Allen of Getting Things Done and Michael Gerber of The E-Myth and many more. And this episode is brought to you by Sweet Process. Have you ever had team members ask you the same questions over and over again? And it is like the 10th time you spent explaining it. Well, there's a, a better way. There's a solution. Sweet Process is a software that makes it drop dead easy to train and onboard new staff and save time with existing staff. Not only do universities, banks, hospitals, and software companies use them, but first responder government agencies use them in life or death situations to run their operations. You can use Sweet Process to document all the repetitive tasks that eat up your precious time. So you can focus on growing your team and empowering them to do their best work. You can sign up for a free 14-day trial, no credit card required. Go to sweetprocess.com. Sweet like candy, that's S-W-E-E-T process.com. All right, so my guest here today is Reese Green. He's the co-founder and CEO of Trailblaze Partners out of Vancouver, Canada. And we're gonna be talking about how scale starts with culture and accelerates by simplifying. That's the topic we're going to focus on. But first, Reese, I'll, I'll turn it over to you and just tell us a little bit about you know, who you are and, and, and what your company does, what types of clients that you work with. Hey, thanks, John. Appreciate you having me here, man. Uh, it's it's a, a pleasure to be here and you nailed the name of our, our company there. Uh, so thanks for getting that one right. <laughs> so uh, we predominantly work with companies who are really people heavy. Uh, so retail, home services, trades, um, you know, hospitality, those types of industries where you've got a lot of uh, frontline people talking directly to customers. And uh, you know, because their business is people, uh, their number one problem tends also to be people. So that's the kind of stuff that we work on with them is helping them to engage their people, build a culture that is both caring and high performance and uh, delivers the results that they need ultimately. It's interesting to put that effort on culture and then that's going to help with the operations and systematizing and all that. So I want to, I want to dive into that. Now you cut your teeth at 1-800-GOT-JUNK, which is a kind of a famous business story. They went from, you know, a couple million dollars in revenue to over a hundred million dollars in revenue in, I think I want to say like a four or five year period or something like that. And way beyond it after that. What was that experience like working at 1-800-GOT-JUNK? What did you learn from that experience of where you're working with people who are out in the field, you know, going out in trucks, picking up junk and, and moving it? <laughs> yeah, you know, that was a great ride. Um, I feel really lucky to have had the time at 1-800-GOT-JUNK and actually O2E Brands, which uh, have a couple of other, other brands under them now as well. Um, I, I first moved to Canada in 2008 uh, and... I don't know how well you remember 2008, but it was not a great time to be looking for work. <laughs> right. And so, uh, yeah, I moved here with 700 bucks in my pocket and no job and uh, had wow. had two job offers. And one of them was was not something I wanted to do at all. And then the <laughs> other one was selling junk removal services over the phone uh, to Australians for 1-800-GOT-JUNK. I'd never heard of the company. I didn't really know what a junk removal company did. Uh, but well, you my, had the right accent. Go yeah, exactly. I had the right <laughs> accent. That was <laughs> probably why I got hired. But um, <laughs> 
my, my then girlfriend, now wife, convinced me that the training was great at 1-800-GOT-JUNK. She'd heard good things. And uh, so I took the job and uh, ended up spending the best part of 10 years with, uh, with the organization and did a whole bunch of different roles from uh, sales to sales leadership. I, I was the general manager for a couple of uh, franchises in Australia, Brisbane and Gold Coast for a few years, led strategy and execution. Uh, call center operations, field operations, whole, nine titles in 10 years, a whole bunch of stuff. And wow. uh, yeah, it was a, it was a great ride. And I know you say working with, with uh, guys and girls in the field that were picking up junk and dirty stuff. Well, uh, I was one of those guys, uh, the, the franchise that I ran was quite small at the time. And so I remember some, uh, some pretty, pretty gross jobs, but it's, it's mm. certainly a fun gig. <laughs> now, there's a lot of companies, especially larger companies, that you have these regimented roles where people are in different silos doing different jobs. But in that situation, you had people in the field who have to also do sales and they have to move junk. Is that how it worked? And 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 how do you how do you teach processes and systems for people that have to balance those different roles and and be good at both? Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's a tough role. Uh, the truck team member role, and it, it's not one you see out there very often. You, you, you nailed it in that uh, it's a it's a on the road sales gig, and when you do the sale, when you do a really good job selling it, you get to pick up some some gross stuff. Now it's not always gross. <laughs> right. The reward's not always not always gross stuff. Sometimes it's just a couch or, or a, an old mattress or something. But um, yeah, in terms of in terms of training and and leadership for those types of uh, roles, you know, what we would look for is someone who's a people person first, you know, always look for someone who, uh, could connect easily with the customer on site. And we figured the rest of the, the more technical side of the job, uh, we could teach and build systems and process around, you know, for example, the pricing system is, is quite simple in 1-800-GOT-JUNK. It's fractions of a truck. And, uh, we would always make sure that they had a laminated price list in their hand. This is, this is before tablets, but, uh, they'd have a laminated price list in their hand. So it was, you know, it was easy to pick out. This is what it looks like. Here's the size, uh, size of stuff that we've got. And this is the price that it's going to be. Um, and even down to sorting stuff, you know, you, you, again, you simplify, right. Um, making sure that you, you get the right metal in the right place. Um, the, the metal like copper or the stuff that's, uh, that's worth a little bit more at the recycler a magnet will stick to. And so we just put a magnet in the pocket of all of our guys and you, know, you check the metal with a magnet. And if it sticks, then you put it to the side. If it doesn't, you put it up to this side and you're good to go. So it's about simplifying and, and keeping the rules really uh, easy to follow uh, from a technical perspective. Now, you say scale starts with culture. How do you build culture where you've got a company where guys are in trucks off, off-site, not at a company headquarters, so they're, they're separate much of the time, how do you, how do you build a great culture with that type of context? Yeah. I think one of the keys to that is having a really strong onboarding process and uh, making sure that as you're going through interviews, you're, you're looking for culture fit uh, in terms of core values and, and all the things that we know make up culture. So it starts with the interview process. And then if you nail that onboarding, you know, the first couple of days of onboarding where you're explaining here are our core values, this is how we live it. This is what what it looks like to act in the gray area. This is how we make decisions. Um, you know, this is how we treat one another. And then holding really strictly accountable to that um, is uh, is super important. But I think setting that setting that scene up front and being really really strong on the orientation. Um, I think the other thing is for people who work, you know, everybody's remote now. <laughs> Almost everybody's remote now, and uh, there's a lot of people who are in a remote environment for the first time. And uh, when I first led in a remote environment, one of the, the hardest lessons I learned was that when there's when there's smoke, 
you should investigate immediately. You know, when you're in a local environment, if something goes a little bit wrong, you know someone pretty well, you can observe behavior fairly closely. And, you know, the, the investigation doesn't have to be too, too deliberate. But when you see a little bit of a rumbling of something going wrong in a remote environment, you've got to take it very seriously and, and jump right in there and do a, a thorough investigation right away. Uh, and so I think being a little more attuned to the indicators that uh, that something might be a little awry uh, culturally, you know, there's, the culture fits not quite what you thought it was when someone was coming through interviewing uh, is, is another important tactic. Now, what about, um, so for your another role you had for three years, you were director of operations for You Move Me, which um, has a franchise model for moving companies. Um, now, imagine that was challenging as well. You have different franchises in different locations. How do you unify them? How do you apply one culture to all these different, very disparate companies? Yeah. Well, I mean, 1-800-GOT-JUNK was a franchise organization as well. And, you know, uh, it comes back to core values, making sure that you're you're picking those things up on the way in from franchisees. Uh, for your move me, the moving industry is a, a challenging business. I, I got to be a part of the startup of of the you move me business as well. And um, we didn't really have anybody in the business at the time that knew moving. And, and so we went out and just tried to figure it out. And, uh, one of the things that struck me uh, in the operations lead role, there was just how many opportunities you have on every move to fuck it up, excuse my language, <laughs> but like, you know, you're, and it's a highly emotional process too. You know, you're going through somebody's home, wow. you've got hundreds, if not thousands of their items, you know, when you, when you put, put it like that and you think about the stats, you know, what are the odds that you're going to break something or something's going to go a little bit wrong? Especially um, compared to removing uh, this, something that someone, especially compared to removing the junk that they don't want, that they want you to just get rid yeah. of versus their precious items that they want very carefully transported to the next location. It is so different. <laughs> it, you know, from the outside, it looks the same. It's two people in a truck in uniforms going to someone's house to move some stuff around. But the, the actual delivery of the service and what, what it means to create a fantastic customer experience. It's just so different. And so, so, so how we, did you hire, it, how did you hire different? Like, how did you, how did you find different people to, to perform those roles? Yeah, that's such a great question. In, in 1-800-GOT-JUNK, we looked for people who were, like I said, customer oriented. Uh, there's a lot of change. You do, you do eight to 10 jobs a day in 1-800-GOT-JUNK. So there's a lot of windshield time and it's like a treasure hunt. You never know what you're going to find. You know, you don't, don't know what the next customer brings in move. You've got one job, maybe two in a really busy day. And so you're looking for people who are a lot more patient, a lot more detail oriented. Uh, and sometimes, often those things don't come along with people orientation. And so, um, you know, we, we had to build more systems around the, how do you uh, make a customer happy? How do you connect with the customer rather than the technical orientation on that one? So a lot of the, a lot of the training and, and, um, orientation work was very different to the moving business to the junk business. Did it evolve a lot from the beginning in terms of the questions that you asked or the, the types of qualities you looked for in when you were hiring? Yeah, it really did. Especially because most of the, the people involved in the moving business when we first launched were 1-800-GOT-JUNK people. We, had, we, want, we launched with a bunch of 1-800-GOT-JUNK uh, franchisees. And, uh, you know, I was coming from a junk background and so were a few of the other people involved in the launch. And so we made a ton of assumptions that just, just turned out to be wrong. And, uh, we, we had to really quickly, or as quickly as we could iterate, you know, I think we probably could have done it quicker in retrospect, but we had to really quickly iterate the process and, and, uh, figure out what, which of the assumptions was going to fit and which of them, uh, wasn't going to, going to fit. And, uh, we, we definitely made some mistakes along the way. I dealt with some, some pretty, pretty serious escalations from customers. 
I, I would imagine. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and talk about that with, you know, you mentioned that moving people is a, is a complex thing. There's a lot of different parts that could be thousands of different pieces. Um, it, it could take a day or more to, to move yeah. everything. You have to maybe, I think of like a moving person in a truck, like kind of putting a jigsaw puzzle together to fit everything in there. Um, plus the emotions you have to deal with. But you say that, you know, scale starts with culture and accelerates by simplifying. So how did you simplify that complex task of moving people? Yeah, again, such a great question. I, I, uh, I'm i also a franchisee uh, for You Move Me and uh, have been for six or seven years. And so I'd, I'd actually point at my, uh, my managing partner, Patrick Ellison, who he figured out a lot of the simplification stuff along the way. But for us, it was about making sure we had the right tools, making sure that in the morning, you know, everything was set up, ready to go. The stuff, right stuff was on the truck. Um, it, it was not necessarily about making the, the process of packing a truck more simple than, than any other. Although um, we switched from cardboard cartons to plastic boxes to the um, reusable plastic boxes. And aside from being better for the environment, that has made uh, packing the truck easier because it's more consistent the size of the boxes. Oh, interesting. But yeah. yeah um, I haven't seen just, that before. Happened, yeah. We just happened across that. Uh, um, that's like changing ago. the way that the moving uh, industry has been done for decades. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know. I mean, there's other guys out there doing that. Other guys and girls out there doing that. So I, I wouldn't claim that as our innovation. We just, we just got lucky to stumble across it. Um, but you know what, what I think we've, we've done really well and, and where we've innovated on the process, like I said, it was, it was simplification of the customer facing stuff where uh, we give our customers a plant at the end of the move to say, thank you as a housewarming gift. And, you know, you don't, you don't have to be particularly oriented to walk up to a people oriented to walk up to a customer and say, Hey, thanks for having me in your home. Here's a really nice gift. We really appreciate your time. Right. You know, there's no, there's not a lot of, um, charm or, or, um, yeah, anything required to go and do that. And so, yeah, the system systemization on that business was really more around the, the customer facing stuff than actually how do we lift and load and put things in the truck. So talk about some of the clients that you've worked with more recently and ways in which you've taken these ideas that we're talking about, you know, putting a good culture in place, simplifying some, some of, give me, give me some more examples of the more recent work that you've done with Trailblaze Partners. Yeah, sure. Um, one of my favorite clients, and I haven't asked his permission to share uh, details. of. All right, we don't, we won't reveal who it was then. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> He's a great guy and uh, he'll know who I'm talking about when I get into the story. But uh, when I first joined his, joined the organization and, and started doing, uh, doing some project work with them, uh, we started to look at their call center uh, process. And, you know, the, the actual service delivery in that business is, is highly technical and high risk because there's a lot of liability. If they get it wrong, um, you know, there's a good chance of, uh, of death or injury to the, to the homeowner. And so, um, it, the, the technical side of the business, you really don't want to mess with. But on the customer facing side, they were making that process really complicated. Um, They're asking the customer a lot of detailed questions about uh, what was in their home, what the problem was, uh, using technical jargon that, I mean, I still don't understand most of the jargon that they were using to begin with. And so where we really focused was on simplifying that customer facing, again, the customer facing process and taking the technical stuff that we were doing and just putting it in the back end. And what we did was we took 
what was a many, many question discovery process in the, uh, in the initial sales call, we turned that into three questions just to identify what type of inspection they need first and then get somebody out on site. And um, the, the less information has an impact of the operations one bit, but the, uh, the less arduous task of explaining what this person has in their home has certainly impacted the customer. And it's made uh, hiring and training and all of the other parts that go into a call center much easier. Interesting. And how valuable is it for someone like yourself to come in as an outsider um, with a fresh set of eyes to a business and look at the way that the operations are run and be able to say, you know, why are you doing it this way? Why is it so complicated here? Why is it taking so long? How helpful is that? That kind of fresh set of eyes. Yeah. I mean, I have a vested interest in saying very helpful, but I'll, I'll <laughs> I figured you you'd say yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, uh, I'll tell you a quick story. So, you know, obviously 10 years in one company and uh, I love solving problems and uh, I never really understood the value of consultants, but it looked like fun. It looked like fun going into other people's companies and, and uh, helping them solve their problems. And so when I, when I decided to leave and, and do my own thing, consulting was the path that um, that looked like the right one for me. And and so, you know, I, I started to get into it, still not fully understanding what the value was. And now that I've done it and been in, you know, 25, 30 odd companies over the last uh, few years, and uh, I, I cannot overstate how valuable it is to have fresh eyes. It's so easy to get bogged down in the weeds, particularly as an operations person, you know, you're living in step-by-step process. And, and for the record, my background is in operations. I didn't, it's uh, operations and service businesses, but but operations more than anything. And um, I just didn't appreciate how difficult it is to pull yourself up out of those weeds and see a business, see a process freshly for the first time. Um, and how easily, you know, it's just asking those dumb questions. You know, going back to that example that I just shared, um, that whole process started out because we were sitting in a, in a in one of their weekly team meetings, and I just said, "Hey guys, is there any reason that we do it this way?" And they all kind of looked at each other and went. Uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I don't think so. But we, and so then we started digging deeper into it and realized there was no real reason for it to be done that way. And and so we're able to, to start simplifying. And I think when you've got, it's not just the fresh eyes. It's it's when you've got the organizational history in your head as well. And you know, you, you were there and you made that decision. And at the time, you made that decision to do this thing that way based on the best information you had at hand. And uh, now the information's changed and you maybe haven't recognized all those changes because it's really tough to see them. So yeah, I think for a lot of reasons, it's, it's very valuable to have those fresh eyes on it. Right. And in addition, you know, there may be political history to it. Well, you know, someone fought some bottle battle and they conceded and this person won on this piece and they had ownership over this piece and that's why everyone's gone along with it. So I imagine it's helpful also to have just an outsider, someone who's not been with the company for a while can come in and who can make those types of observations. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, we sometimes get brought into organizations just to be the bad guy, <laughs> you know, just to be the, the change is known, the, the change that's needed is known. And uh, we get brought in just to help, uh, you know, help rattle the cage and, and push people forward to, to see that the change needs to happen. Um, you know, sometimes there's more credibility to an outside voice than an inside voice. Uh, and to your point, you know, politics plays a part. There's, there's a whole bunch of different influences. And, you know, we we always go in with the assumption that, you know, the clients we're working with are smart people and they've they've tried their best and they've done, made the very best decisions that they can uh, with the information that they had at the time. And uh, we just try to look at things from a, from a slightly different perspective. 
And uh, yeah, there's, there's definitely value in that. Reese Green, co-founder and CEO of Trailblaze Partners. Where can people go to connect with you or to learn more about what you do? Yeah, just head to trailblazepartners.com or uh, follow me on LinkedIn. Reese, R-H-Y-S, Green. It's the last name, just like the color. You'll be able to find me on there. And uh, I'm posting pretty regularly about these types of topics. So love to have you on there. Great. All right. Thanks so much, Reese. John, thanks for having me, man. Thanks for listening to the Process Breakdown Podcast. Before you go, quick question. Do you want a tool that makes it easy to document processes, procedures, and or policies for your company so that your employees have all the information they need to be successful at their job? If yes, sign up for a free 14-day trial of Sweet Process. No credit card is required to sign up. Go to sweetprocess.com, sweet like candy, and process like process.com. Go now to sweetprocess.com and sign up for your risk-free 14-day trial. Hi, this is Owen, the CEO and co-founder here at Sweet Process. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast interview, uh, actually, you know what I want you to do? Go ahead and leave us a five-star review on iTunes. That way we get more people aware of the good stuff that you get here on this podcast. Again, go on to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. Looking forward to reading your review. Have a good day. That's my